Let us pray. God, we come to you now looking as best we know how uh, to your heart and to your words and to your spirit. We pray today that you would be our, our teacher as we come here to uh, learn from the scriptures and grow more uh, in the likeness of Christ. We pray that you would be our guide as, as we just ask for your direction, each of us coming here uh, needing direction for our lives. We pray, Jesus, that you would be our comfort for those of us who just need you to be close to us today, to comfort our hearts. We look to you as our healer, the only one who can bind up our broken places, help us as we grieve and suffer. We look to you, God. That, that's why we're here. Help us um, to know how to best hear and receive and be changed. We continue prayers today, Father, for uh, Israel and Gaza as we have lifted up now week after week. Um, we pray for uh, the end of violence and bloodshed and uh, evil. Pray for the protection of men and women and children. We pray as you have given us words to pray in Psalm 122 for the peace of the Holy Land, for the peace of Jerusalem. We're just praying for real people, God, who we know are just like us. We pray for our land, for our nation, for America. Uh, there, there is much to be prayed for. And so we just lift up our land, the land you've given us, um, and we ask for help and direction. We pray that you would continue to give boldness to your people, the faithful followers of Jesus, so that we could serve and love and shine light in places where there are darkness. That's why we're doing all the things this weekend in service, God, as a way of, of seeking to shine your light. We love you, God. Uh, we pray for those big things in the world and our nation, but, but we also just ask God that you would meet us here, you'd take care of us, and you'd continue this great movement of the Spirit that you've been working here in our local church. We pray now the prayer uh, that Jesus taught us. I invite you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, it's so good to see you and welcome you to Providence Church. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are truly glad that you're here in this place for this time. I want to welcome in our online worshipers, folks who uh, are joining us from all over the place. We're glad that you have taken the time and made, uh, made the space to hear from God's word today. 
I want to share with you today a very simple, straightforward Bible lesson that I believe if we hear it and live it, it will actually change our lives. It's called the law of the harvest. And it's something not just written into the Bible, but it's really written into creation by God. And it's used often, we'll be talking in sort of agricultural terms, but it's used as a way uh, that spiritual teachers and now Bible teachers use to talk about our very lives. So uh, as we're talking about some uh, agricultural terms, uh, I don't want you to just be thinking about your garden, but to be thinking about uh, your spiritual life. So Paul in 2 Corinthians, where we'll be reading today, chapter 9, Paul is writing to a new church uh, in a place called Corinth. This is our uh, second recorded letter in the Bible. That's why it's called 2 Corinthians. And verse 6, he says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So sowing is simply uh, scattering or planting seeds for the purpose of something growing. That's sowing. And reaping is when you gather up all the wonderful things that have grown or what we might call harvesting, harvesting the crop. Paul starts this section by saying, remember this. And so he's saying, remember this to people who most likely have some connection to, if not a deep connection to, to an agricultural family. So when he says, remember this, he's talking to people whose dad and granddad and great granddad, most likely they have watched them grow things. So when he's saying these, uh, you know, uh, agricultural terms, they can really relate to that. They can see what he's talking about when he illustrates the harvest. Perhaps not all of you, like me, were the FFA president of your school. So you may not have the depth of understanding uh, that I have. Only kidding. I'm not kidding about the FFA president, but I really, I just wanted to tell you that is the only reason I said it. So he's telling them, remember this, remember the law of the harvest. He's saying, remember how it works. Remember that if you sow a little bit of seed, naturally, you're only gonna get a little bit back. But if you, if you sow a lot of seed, if you sow generously, then the harvest is also going to be a generous one that comes back to you. A farmer would never think, I better hold on to these seeds. A farmer would never say, I'm scared to sow the seeds because I'm scared of what would happen if I don't have any more seeds. Because the law of the harvest says, throw out your seeds. It's the only way you're going to get a crop for which you will get even more seeds. No farmer would pray. No farmer would pray like this. God, I need a crop, but I'm going to hold on to my seeds. No, no farmer would, would say, I really want a great harvest and I know you'll come through, God. Please get involved here, but I'm not going to do anything. The law of the harvest says if you give away a little, you'll get a little but if you give away a lot, you'll get a lot back. 
And Paul's not writing this to talk to farmers. He's talking to people who are living in a crazy time, who are wondering, what does it look like for me to live faithfully as a follower for them, a brand new follower of Jesus? So when Paul is laying out the law of the harvest, it has everything to do with their lives. And it has to do with the question, God, are we going to have enough And many of us, you may have been asked that question in some way this week, have wondered, am I going to have enough for my life? Um, It's a natural thing to think, I don't feel like I'm going to have enough. So Rachel and I ask questions in our house like, are we going to have enough to pay for two kids in college? You know, are we going to have enough when the insurance goes up because they bang into stuff with their cars? You know, we ask ourselves all the time about things that are upcoming. Can we really, can't, have you ever asked this? Can we really afford this? Uh, Rachel and I have been saying this is the most expensive season of our life, and we've been saying that for the last 20 years. <laughs> are we going to have enough to get through this? In the last few years, you know, have kind of, you know, uh, increased this. We, we've asked, you know, our, together we've asked, are we going to make it? Are we going to have enough to make it through this? Are we going to have enough toilet paper? Uh, you know, are we going to have enough gas to get through this? Should we fill up gas tanks and, and take them home? And, and then it gets more serious. Uh, questions like, are our kids going to be safe? I'm being for real. Like, the question, are we going to have enough, quickly turns into, God, are you really going to take care of us? Are we going to have enough? Well, the clear principle of the law of the harvest says this. If you give away a little, you get a little. And if you give away a lot, you harvest a lot. This is a way to live your life as a believer in God. It's the law of the harvest. It's written into how plants work. And I want to stop here for a second early in the sermon and say to you that this principle is true and beautiful. It's like a guarantee and it is often misused by people like me by preachers. It is often misused uh, when people are greedy or uh, um, are exploiting vulnerable people. So I allow you today, to, I welcome your skepticism and scrutiny. I get that as we go through this, but just for today, okay, just for today, the, the skepticism. So there have been pastors, y'all, y'all, there have been pastors who said, send me a dollar, you'll get $10 in return. Well, that's not the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest doesn't make poor people poor and rich people richer. That's not the law. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not an easy or a lazy way out. What it's about is about sowing. It's about sowing your lives, sowing your heart, sowing your time, sowing your energy. Yes, sowing your money, sowing your treasure into the things of God so that one day there can be a beautiful harvest Sowing seed is nothing like sending a dollar away and hoping to get 10 back. It's more like sowing tenfold of your seed. And then here's what farmers do. They trust and they pray and they look at the clouds and they wait for the rain and they wonder how it's going to go. Because what happens in the harvest is something that only God can do with the meager thing that you have put in there. Paul was not writing his letter uh, so people would get rich. That's not the context at all. The context is talking to be people who is saying, I will be faithful to Jesus at all cost. And he said, here's how you should live your lives. Live your lives by this principle. When you give, give as generously as you can and you will get a big harvest. 
Humans oftentimes live with what's called a scarcity mentality. That scarcity mentality is what I was illustrating before. Like, are we going to have enough? Should we store things up? But the law of the harvest is a kingdom principle that says we do not live out of scarcity, those who follow God. We will pour out our lives and there will be a beautiful return and we'll live joyously, abundant lives. So we talked last week about two laws. These I made up, uh, or I gave the names to them. I didn't make them up, but the, the, they're called the law of ownership and the law of stewardship. The law of ownership says everything belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So that means God is the owner of everything. Remember, remember God, uh, how far does that go? How far does the everything go? It goes to everything. The owner is God. And so the law of stewardship is what we live into. If there's all these things, possessions, how do we relate to them? We're stewards. A steward is just someone who's been given a job to take care of something. So all your stuff, you are a steward, not an owner. Everything. Your kids, your time, your money, your truck. I got lots of truck comments after last week. Because I told a story about a guy giving a truck away. Everybody's like, I'm not giving my truck away. That's fine. That's fine. It's about you and God, okay? So I told you, though, last week, if the law of ownership doesn't kind of click into our minds, none of this other stuff will make sense. If we don't, if we don't believe that actually everything belongs to God. But as we step into that, some cool things can happen. So the process to live into the principle, the principle is if you sow a little, you get a little. If you sow a lot, you get a lot. That's the principle of the law of the harvest. The process is you decide what to give. You get to decide how much time you're going to give to something, how much money you're going to give to something. This is, this, is, um, this is about you and a decision that you've made. So here's the verse. It says, each of you should give uh, what the preacher makes you feel bad enough to give, right? <laughs> no, it's not what it says. Each of you should give what you've been manipulated into giving. Right? No. What does it say? Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Isn't that beautiful? Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves people who, when they get to the place of giving, they are cheerful about it. So the process is you decide. God's not a forceful God. You understand the principle. That's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to teach you the principle of the law of the harvest, which is you sow a little, you get a little. You sow a lot, you get a lot. So you get to take that and then you get to make decisions about what you're going to do with your life. But what I want you to know is it's a principle that applies to everything in your life. It's written into creation. It's not a scheme. It's something, it's a way that God has uh, set things up. Now, God does give guidelines. He does give instructions, recommendations of how you should give. You may have heard of like uh, giving to the church in the, uh, something called a tithe. Well, a tithe was another agricultural uh, symbol. It was talking about how we should give. Sometimes we give uh, from what we have left over. That's a natural way to give. I've got some things left over, I'll give that. But God's showing a principle that you give off the top because God's the owner. So a tithe was 10% of the harvest bringing that into the storehouses. But it's still each of you decide what you should give. So the process is not careless, it's thoughtful. So it's not like emotional or you just get inspired enough. It's like you have some moments in your life where you decide what you're going to do and then you do it. That's why it's a, it's a thoughtful kind of thing. The process is not forced, it's cheerful. 
It can be a cheerful thing. So a farmer goes, uh, when he's sowing seed out in the fields, he's not in that moment deciding, am I sowing this much or this much? No, it, the decision goes back. It goes back even further than in the barn when he's, when he's getting the seed in his, in his pouch. That's not when he makes the decision. He makes the decision when he's lying in bed at night, right? Thinking, what am I gonna do this year for the harvest? And so he makes the decision what he's gonna give, how much he's gonna pour out. That's how much seed he gathers up. Then when he goes out to the field, that's how much he, he pours out. So it's not forced at that moment. The decision was made a long time ago. So the process is not burdensome, it's effortless. Now giving is not effortless, but I'm saying in the moment when you give it, if you see people who are experienced in giving of their lives or giving of their time or giving of their money, it's just flowing out of them. There's a couple uh, here in, in church uh, who is especially generous to the poor anonymously. And uh, they've done amazing things. And they, they've kind of let me know if there's moments where, where they, can, they can give. And, and I, I witnessed them one time uh, write a check that paid for every kid in Wilson County who doesn't have lunch money to be a fund set up in every school. Our church continued that, but it started with one person who did that. And it's weird when I watch them giving because they're just, their faces are all lit up. They're like writing the check, you know, smiling. And hand, it seems effortless. And the reason is... They didn't make a decision in that moment to give. The decision came a long time ago. And so the giving moment is cheerful. The giving moment is uh, it's effortless in that moment. So this leads to the next part of the law, the law of the harvest. Where does the power come from to do those kind of things, to give in generous ways? Well, the power is found in this statement, God is able. There's no farmer who thinks, man, I'm the best farmer in the world because I make seeds turn into crops. No farmer thinks that. No farmer thinks, I'm the one who makes a tiny seed grow into a beautiful harvest. No, in farming, there is this humility to know I only have so much control of this. There's a posture of trust. Uh, and what farmers know, their job is to sow seed and they don't make crops grow. What makes things grow, oh, it's disappeared, but that God is able. God is able to do what we can't do. So I actually don't know that much about farming, but I do know about the power of God. And what I can tell you is God is able. Listen to this verse. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I just kind of wanted to say it over and over this morning. Um, God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. You came in here this morning facing something. God is able. You came in this morning hoping for something, needing something to grow, needing something to go, needing something to change. God is able. God is the one who's able. Not only, the scripture says, to enlarge your harvest, but to increase the store of your seed. What that means is the way our God is working is, is on a level way above what we would be thinking. He's not just thinking, I will, give, I will make this seed grow into something beautiful, but I will make the thing that grows into something beautiful lead to an even exponential source of seed so that you can continue to give. And this principle works in places in our lives where you may not think about it. If you feel like you are running out of time, like I'm in a season right now with my kids where I just sort of feel like I'm running out of time. You know what I mean? I have three teenage daughters. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's the only year that Rachel and I will have three teenage daughters. And sometimes when I look at them, I feel like I'm running out 
of time. Y'all sense some of that emotion in me, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about them. I drove down to, to Mary's College yesterday to go to Parents' Day, and I wore a little pin that said, I'm a parent, you know, and I was walking around all these college kids thinking, I have never felt more old in my whole life. <laughs> I thought I was a college kid, but turns out the kid I had is now a college kid, which makes me old and makes me wear a pin at Parents' Day. <laughs> but the reason I went down there and the reason I went to that game with her is because I, I want to invest in her, right? I want to pour into her still generously. And the principle of the law of the harvest says that if you take the thing that you think you only have a limited amount of and you are willing to pour it out and give it away, the law of the harvest with a God who is able says, I will give unto you even more time and a harvest of the thing that you are really hoping for, I'm wanting to be a great dad, the harvest comes not in holding and clutching and worrying, but in pouring out, wearing the pin, and walking around the tailgate <laughs> with your daughter. Some of you are taking care of your parents, aging parents, and you're thinking, man, I am empty. You love them, but you aren't always feeling you know, a great storehouse of love. Well, this is different from what the world says, but the law of the harvest says, pour out more love on them. Dig deep and, and pour out more love on mom and dad. And it says that the more you pour out, the more that will be given to you. All right, I haven't even gotten to the best part yet. <laughs> the best part of the law of the harvest is the purpose. And the purpose of the law is so you can be even more generous. The reason that you are being called to be generous is so that you can be even more generous. And by being even more generous, give glory to God. Uh, you see, God is into uh, what might be called repeat business. You know what repeat business is? That means if you go somewhere and you like it, you're going to give them repeat business. You're going to go back because they came through for you on the thing that you were wanting them to do. The law of the harvest has repeat business in it. And that is if you are faithful and you are generous, God will come back to you and give you more so that you can be even more generous. <laughs> he'll, he'll, give, he'll give so much to you that this says that you'll actually be able to be generous on every occasion. That's the purpose that this is leading to in our lives. That as we pour out, we get more and we pour out and we're actually generous on every occasion so that God gets the glory. Here's the verse. You will be enriched in every way so that, so that is where you get a purpose, okay? So that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I told you guys last week about uh, these guys who gave gifts to the church um, when we were first starting out. One guy gave a trailer. We needed a trailer to move stuff around. This other guy gave a truck for one of his business trucks so that we could put uh, chairs in it. And that's where the whole give your truck away fiasco started. It became a national movement. Everybody's talking about it. And, but I didn't know that those two guys, Kevin and Tommy, uh, Kevin lives in Arizona now and Tommy lives in Colorado. I had no idea that they watched online. And so when I got back to my office after one of the service, both of them had messaged me like, hey, that was so cool you're, you were telling that story. And Kevin's in Arizona and he, he, he shared with me uh, actually about the moment when he knew he was supposed to give his trailer away, you know, his Harley Davidson trailer. And then I had this message from Tommy, the guy who gave the truck away. He left me a voice message. And he said, he said, oh, yeah, I remember that. He said, 
that was the first vehicle that we gave away. I was like, oh. And he said, if you got a moment, I just want to tell you about the eighth vehicle that we gave away. And he told me the story on the voice message, really long. You know, shorten those up, Tommy. Um, <laughs> and uh, he told me the story of, uh, of the eighth vehicle. I won't tell you the whole story. But it led to this movement in his local church in Colorado where everyone felt compelled to be generous in ways that they had never been before. The purpose of the law of the harvest is so that we can be even more generous. I know all this sounds kind of crazy, but if you're looking for a boring faith that does not require very much of you, this is not it. It's, it's like really exciting and feels risky and uh, you know, scary at times when you sense how God is calling you to be like him in the way that he gives away. So if you're looking for just sort of a stale, kind of everything stays the way it is, that's not what it means to follow Jesus. Instead, it, it's following after someone who is willing to give everything away. God uses our generosity to accomplish his purposes in the world. There could have been a different way God could have drawn that up, but this was his choice was to use us. Listen to this again from 2 Corinthians. It says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. The image that we just had is of scattering seeds. And so the idea is that as we scatter and sow what we can give, the poor, are the ones that God wants to take care of, are taken care of. Your generosity is a way that God uses his generosity to take care of the poor. So Paul's their pastor. That's, who, that's what this is about. It's not about tending a garden. Paul's their pastor and he says, you giving is what takes care of the poor. And I'm your pastor. And so I'm saying to you, you giving is what takes care of the poor. Uh, some of y'all have heard about this thing we do called the turkey drop. And it's, it's just a Thanksgiving meal, but it's a generous Thanksgiving meal. It's a beautiful, full Thanksgiving meal for people in our community. There are a lot of people in our community who wouldn't have a Thanksgiving meal without the turkey drop. And so it's sort of grown every year. Last year, we made a stretch. We did 450 meals. And these aren't just like, we don't just put the meals together and then try to, you know, figure out where they go. We have uh, folks uh, who tell us about families in need. So we go to the local schools. She's fine. Don't worry about that. Um, we give to the local schools. We give to different uh, programs that need it. Well, so we did that this year. What we do every year, we went to all the places and, and asked, you know, how many meals do you need? And, and the number that came back this year was 1,400. And we've, we've partnered with some new places. There's a place called Joseph Storehouse in Lebanon. They feed 800 families, your neighbors, every month. And so uh, our two outreach directors, Eve and Rachel, came to Mark and I, you know, to kind of present this. Uh, we thought it might go from 450 to 550, and it went from 450 to 1400. And they come in, they're so excited, and they're telling me and Mark about it. And we're kind of looking, we're catching each other's eyes, you know, because they're like, well, how in the world are we going to do that? It'll cost $90,000 to do all those meals. And then uh, we remember the law of the harvest, which says that if you sow generously, the harvest will be generous unto you. And last year for us, we sowed as generous as we knew how. And so this year, um, I don't know if you saw it, it was in very fine print on the, on the video, but it says we're going after, you know, 1,400 meals. And so I'm going to ask you to do what I'm doing with my family. Uh, we usually do like one box, sometimes two. But I'll tell you, that's, not a, that's for us not a hugely generous thing. 
It's just something we do to be a part of the whole thing. So I sent my text to my teenage girls and wife and said, this year I'm going to be asking the church to pray about what would it look like to sow generously into the turkey drop. And we have a different answer. We're making a decision. And that's for us, you know, I'm not necessarily going to share that, but it's like we're making a decision. My girls work. They have their jobs. They said, here's how much I'm going to give dad. Here's how much I want to give dad. Turns out I have Venmo because the money just showed up, you know, right in my account. (laughs) They already gave it. They already gave it. And I want to ask your family to do the same. Talk to the people who you, in your family. If you're single, just pray about it. And then make a decision. And then let's joyfully uh, see what God is going to do. I'm going to send uh, most of you a letter this week. I do this every year about giving financially to the church. And in it, uh, I will be asking you to think about what would it look like for you to sow generously in a Providence Church next year. Not, not from leftovers, but what would it look like to give generously to the church? When Rachel and I got married, I had four years of uh, full-time school yet to go before I got my graduate degree to be a pastor. So thank you, Rachel, seriously, for um, working all that time and putting me through school. And we were just getting married, and Rachel got this very lucrative job as a social worker. Uh, So it was just like, oh, man. And uh, so we didn't have that much money. I made $7,000 as a part-time pastor. And a full-time student. And so we, we decided, you know, how are we going to make this, this work? But we had heard a teaching like this. And we were just starting off brand new. And we, we said, man, we, wanna, we believe God's the owner of everything. And so we're going to try this thing of, of giving to God, not from the leftovers, but off the top, 10%. And so Rachel comes to me. She'd made a budget. First bad thing she did was read this book by Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Still haunts me today. And uh, she comes and sits down to me. We're, we're about to get married. And she said, I made out a budget. I made out a budget for what we can do. And I said, how's it looking? She said, it's tight. I was like, I said, how tight is it? And she says, you know, it's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Tight. I was like, okay. And she said, it's so tight that we can't rent one movie from Blockbuster this year. So those are early 2000s struggles. You kids don't, under, don't understand that. And I said, okay. Well, right before we got married, we'd found this apartment, a one-bedroom apartment. It's $800 a month. And right before we got married, this guy from my church called me. I was one of the pastors there, just a student pastor. Most of the day I was in school. And he said, hey, Jacob, I want you to go look at this house I have near the campus. It was in Murfreesboro, a couple blocks from MTSU where I went to school. And so I go and look at the house, and it was a pretty cool house. It was a real small, very humble house, but, I mean, it had more than one bedroom and um, had these red, like, mauve blinds. And it kind of, I thought it felt put off sort of like a romantic glow in the house. That could be a good newlywed house. I don't know. Anyways, uh, it was a cool house. And I was like, man, I mean, it had a full kitchen and a living room and a yard. And so I called Joe back and he's like, what do you think of the house? And I was like, man, it's a great house. And he said, um, he said, well, Terry and I, that's his wife. He said, we've prayed about it and we want you and Rachel to live in the house for free for a year. I couldn't believe it. And then he counseled me. He didn't tell me what to do. He didn't put pressure on me. He said, but you know, Jacob, if you took that $800 a month that you were going to spend on that apartment and you saved it a year from now, you know, there could be some really cool things that happen. He said, a year from now, you might be able to put down a down payment on a house. And when Rachel and I were 22 years old, uh, a year later, we put down a down payment on a little starter home in Murfreesboro. And that one man's generosity changed our whole financial future (laughs) that still has blessings that come from it 
because one person didn't think they were the owner of even houses that he owned. Unbelievable. And I know this guy, Joe's his name. God kept filling up his storehouse of seed and kept filling up his storehouse of seed that his life now gives glory to God in a beautiful way. So I just wanted to ask you today, do you want to live a life with a scarcity mentality? That's what the world will teach you to do. Or do you want to live one of abundance, joy, cheerfulness, effortlessness? I'm telling you that it's available through the laws that God has instituted through creation and that he's teaching us through the church of Jesus Christ. You decide what it means for you. You decide. Let us pray. God, thank you for bringing us now to this time when we come to the table of communion, uh, where we have a, a simple meal, bread and juice, but it represents to us Jesus' life poured out for us, laid out for us. And in his pouring out, we get to receive so much. Teach us more about what this law of the harvest looks like in each one of our lives as we make decisions about how we'll give our time, our money, our energy. We're trusting you, God, in big ways for what you're going to do. I pray your blessing on the turkey drop this year, uh, that you would do something way beyond what is possible uh, on our own means. But we believe that you are able. We come to the table now with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.